game. Blouses. Gallon Chuck. Disaster. I forget he. Disaster. Well, I mean, I'm no doctor. We now join America's most popular show already in progress. Everybody loves Mitch and Sean. You guys are the greatest duo. Fantastic. That team sure did suck last night. They just played sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Post Game Pints podcast. My name is Mitch Gallo with Sean Campbell. We have a lot to get to today. We're going to talk Montreal Canadiens and Philip Deneau. We're going to talk about the NHL and NHLPA. We're going to talk about issues at the World Junior Championships. And don't forget, coming up this weekend, Mike Tyson returns to the ring to take on Roy Jones Jr. But, Sean, oh, we're, we're also going to talk about this to be beer. drinking that beer there. What do you got? I got the uh, Barleche Series Stout Cerise and Almonds. So cherry and almonds. This, we will talk a little bit more about this beer. I don't know much. I just took a sip and uh, yeah, I'm giving it a thumbs up, but I don't know much about it. So we're actually going to bring someone in that's actually going to tell us exactly what this beer is all about. So looking forward to that. Of course, Post Game Pints podcast brought to you by LaBrosse Brewery, Campbell Gallo. You ready to go? Get things going? Yeah, let's do it. Cheers. All right, let's start off. Philip Deneau, still no contract. He spoke publicly for the first time uh, in a real long time. And the Canadians are just going to let him sit there on his last year of the deal and not sign him. What's going on? Well, I don't know. Like, why is this a thing? Why is it an issue? It seems to me like Philip Deneau is not the first player in NHL history to enter the final year of a contract. And he's not going to be the last player in NHL history to enter the final year of a contract. Like, this is normal business that the Canadians are doing. Right now, Philippe Deneau wants a certain price, and he wants a certain term, and the Canadians probably don't see eye-to-eye with him. So both sides are going to wait till either they come to an agreement on a new contract, or Philippe Deneau goes out and tests what he can get on the market with the other 31 teams in the league. That, that's where we're at right now. So I don't see an issue. Like, I'm listening to some of the questions being asked to him, Sean. It's like he's already got one foot out the door. A reporter asked him if he was going to hold out. What do you mean hold out? He has a year left on his contract. He's still a contracted player. It's not like we're talking about a restricted free agent who still has his rights owed to the team, but he's holding out. No, this is a player who's going to make a nice salary because he's under contract with the Canadians for one more year. And – you know what? I don't know what you think the terms of the contract are going to be or should be, and maybe we could discuss that a little bit more. But as far as where they're at right now, it's it makes sense. We've seen this literally with every team every year in the history of hockey. Yeah, look, he, he's going to get paid. He's going to get his money. And I know that everybody thinks, oh, he was holding out for six, six and a half million. He wants Gallic. Look, let's just wait to see what happens here. But you're talking about a 50-point player 
that plays an important role on his team and his value to his team, start naming me players that are more valuable than Philip Deneau right now on the Montreal Canadiens up front as forwards. Who's more valuable than him? The list isn't very long at all. You can make John, the argument for John, can I stop you there? Sure. And I know this won't be a popular opinion among fans of the Montreal Canadiens, but there is no list. Well, I'll, I'll make you two arguments, but I don't really believe them. One is Gallagher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think, and look, I would say Gallagher, but now that Toffoli and Anderson are there, maybe the pressure's off him a little bit. And the other one is Suzuki. Suzuki, this year, the importance of him producing offensively and taking that role defensively as well, I think brings him there. But right now, I haven't seen that from Suzuki. So heading into the season, don't, don't get me I wrong. Don't think, I don't think you can name a player, a forward on the Canadians, that is more valuable than Philip Deneau. Don't, don't get me wrong. Because just because I say that Philip Deneau is the most important player on the Canadians, that's not for me to say that Brendan Gallagher and Nick Suzuki aren't important. They clearly no. are. I'm just saying the guy who does all the heavy lifting, the guy that plays uh, the, the important draws in the defensive zone, the guy who's matched up in the playoffs against guys like Sidney Crosby, that's Philip Denneau, and that's your most important player right now. You know, maybe in the future it can be Nick Suzuki, but I'm sorry. If we have a 2020-2021 season, the most important forward on the Montreal Canadiens is Phil, Philip Denneau. And I, I think when you look at the, the contract that he's going to get, you have to put him up there in the $6 million range. To me, it's a little bit pricey. I get it. Um, we'll see at the terms right now. The Canadians have the benefit, Sean, that they have many players on either expiring contracts or as uh, players on their first contract. So making, you know, under a million bucks, guys like Kakanyemi, guys like Suzuki. So yes. how much can you buy time, bridge those guys, pay uh, Dano what he wants to be paid. And then maybe when those guys are actually do their raises, then you might have to look at moving on from Philip Dano. But right now, I think after Brendan Gallagher, he has to be the next guy up as far as highest paid players on the team. Yeah, you, you went six. I think this is kind of where the maybe a little bit of a stalemate is. Dano likely wants six, maybe a bit more, and the Canadians would love to have him around five. I, and, and the Canadians right now probably – maybe got a, a message from Jeff Wolf and said, hey, look, we don't know what's happening with the coronavirus. Just wait off on signing guys. We'll get yeah. to it. And, and let me just – before we move on, because I know we're going to move on to the NHL, so just very quickly on the $5 million thing, yeah. if I'm Philip Deneau, 0% chance that I'm taking a contract where I make less money than Jonathan Drouin. Yeah, it's, it's, and, and it's based on points, but then what's the point difference between the two? You know, not, it's, not great. It's not that much. Just, here's my, let, just hear me out on my one theory before we jump into the NHL and the PA, not talking this week as we're trying to get a start to the NHL season. But just hear me out on this one theory for when it does come to fruition. Maybe the Canadians aren't signing Thomas Tatar and Philip Deneau to help themselves. And maybe they've already talked to Tatar's agent and Deneau's agent and said, look, we want to do something, but we're just going to wait because of the expansion draft. You don't have them on your roster when the season ends. You don't have to protect them. And then you have a contract waiting. Yes, you risk free agency. I get that. But if you tell them, we're going to sign you, we just – we're trying to keep everybody here. We have a group of players. I'm just throwing that out there. That's all. Look, I'll never, I'll never dismiss any theories 
when it comes to the expansion draft. I think it comes into play a lot more as far as planning is concerned than we give credit for. All right, Sean, next topic I want to get to. Uh, the NHL and the NHLPA. As of the time that we are recording the podcast, it's been about a week that the two sides haven't spoken. As you would put it, this relationship seems to be in the toilet. Disaster. The toilet. Yeah, and, and look, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, that's the only thing I didn't want to hear. I wanted to hear that they were talking and that they haven't steered away from January 1st. I know that it was going to take some negotiation from both sides, but the fact that they're not talking, it's just waste of time because they're going to get talking in another day, two, week. They will talk again. But the fact that they're not talking and nothing is getting done, there, they're just sitting there and the NHL's like, we want 16% more. The NHL's like, we want 0% more. Okay, let's make it eight. And that's probably what's going to happen. They're just going to waste, dwindle away a season from 60 to 48. They're going to waste 12 games of the season because they didn't talk this week. And that's the only thing that frustrates me more than anything, because I know that if they're going to get a deal done, it's, that's what's going to happen. They're just going to be a compromise on one side, a compromise on the other, and they're just wasting time they're wasting your time my time all our time just talk just talk because we know it's going to happen anyways yeah the the only the only problem here sean is that I'll, I'll tell you the issue with both sides right so one side the nhlpa is unhappy because the cba was agreed on and they signed off on it and they should yep. honor their commitment to that contract that was put in writing that they worked out it would have been a it would have been laughable if the uh, players would have asked the owners to go back and revisit it the way the owners are asking the players. That's one sign. That's why the players are pissed off. The owners, it's different because the owners, they are 31 different interests. Some want to play. Some don't want to play. Like the players all want to play. They want to make their money. They have different needs and they pull for different things as far as CBAs are concerned, but they both have a common goal. It's to play. Right now, on the other side with the owners, it's not the same. They're pulling in different directions, and they want different things. So you got to look at the leader. you got to look at Bettman and Daly. Those are two, the two guys that have to shear the ship and make sure that everyone's together and on the same page. So that's where the tete-a-tete is happening. Yeah, right? well, I've, I've said this, Mitch, and, and not many people say this, Right now, I feel for Gary Bettman. I really do. Because one, he's at he's steering a ship that everybody wants to go a different direction. And he has he represents all of them and he has to try and figure that out. On top of keeping the players happy and keeping an image that the NHL is healthy and there's no problem. Doing what's pandemic. best for the game. Yeah, and, and and I get all that, and no one wants to feel sorry for Gary Bettman because Gary Bettman has never been a likable person. I'm not saying you have to like him, but I look at his situation. And I'm like, he's in a he's in a tough spot right now. It's it's not a job I'd like to have right now. No, he's in a difficult spot. But his main job, other than answering to all the owners, is doing what's best for the game, both now, in the short future, and the long future. And that's why, Sean, he keeps saying Jan 1. In fact, he's told some of the owners to stop saying we can't come back by Jan 1. Mm. He's told them to stop because he knows what's best for the game is to come back as soon as possible. So that's why I think ultimately, even though they haven't spoken in a week, as far as uh, when we're recording this podcast, I do think they find a way to get it done because that's what's best for the game. 
All right. So what's the best for the world juniors right now? Not a good week for team Canada. They had to cancel a red and white scrimmage. Uh, their whole team is going into quarantine for uh, two full weeks as they get ready to head into the bubble in Edmonton and all the teams are going to have to do this ahead of time. But, oh man, don't take away my world juniors too, Mitch. Don't, don't take that away from me. Please, 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 please. No. Yeah. You know, Sean, I wouldn't worry too much about it with, with the testing capabilities and what we know now, like leagues are going on with travel fans in the seats, big rosters of more than 53, 53 on the roster. And then plus staff, you look at the NFL, right? You just got to make sure you nip it in the bud before it gets out of control. So what's going to be interesting is the beginning, the intra squad games. Now they've had an issue. Uh, when the other teams from all over the world start arriving in Red Deer, Alberta, to get this tournament done. Making sure that nothing spikes. And then once they're in that bubble, Sean, yeah, and they start the tournament, I'm convinced it's going to be a roaring success and there's going to be no issues. It's just making sure that at the beginning, they make sure that there's no crazy outbreak. Which, by all accounts, again, you know, we're dating the podcast a little bit, but we had a couple cases with Team Canada, but we have not had an outbreak. Which is, uh, which is good news for now. Yes, they're quarantining and they're making sure that if somebody else does pop up with a positive test at some point, that they don't spread it on to the rest of the team. But I wouldn't be too worried. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident saying that December 26th, Team Canada is going to be in action. Yeah, and, and, and you know what? Just on, on, on that, remember when the NHL was getting in together with training camps? There was a team here. Pittsburgh had an outbreak. The Canadians, remember Brett Kulak? Uh, he had to sit out. That all happened in training camp. And that's when you want it. If someone's going to te test positive, I mean, athletes you don't want anybody to test positive and send them in isolation. You know that they're being careful. Okay, you test positive, you're going to be in a room and sit there and just wait until you're healthy and go through your quarantine and get through your symptoms. Then you get your negative test. Have it all happen beforehand. So I remember with the NHL, certain teams had some outbreaks, but once they got into the bubble, nothing happened. You ready to talk some beer? I'm drinking beer, so let's talk beer. Yeah, I want to talk uh, this specific beer, as, of course, the Post Game Pints podcast brought to you by Labrosse Brewery, uh, Campbell, Gallo. And uh, we love that they've uh, come on as uh, partners. And today, Mitch, usually we drink different beers each show, but this one we've gone with the Bar Leche, Series Stout, Series and Almonds. It's a pastry stout. It's a very, very interesting brew that uh, we need, uh, you know, Mitch, maybe an expert, maybe somebody that knows what they're talking about. I'm an expert uh, at drinking it. I know. I am definitely uh, an expert when it comes uh, to drinking beer, but we need an expert from LaBrosse. It's the face that runs the place, the best girl at LaBrosse Brewery. It's uh, Catherine Leclerc. We call her Cathu. How you doing, Cathu? Hello, guys. How are you? Uh, we're great. Thanks for joining us on the Post Game Pints podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. All right. All right. So, so uh, go ahead, Mitch. What are, what are we drinking? Tell us about this beer, uh, Catherine. Yes, sure. Um, can I tell you a little bit about uh, the history behind the style of the beer first? Or you want me to talk about the beer? Uh, start with the history so we know the past, please. Yeah, it's very nice. <clears throat> so I just want to bring you back... In <laughs> What's your mug? 
uh, I just want to bring you back in uh, the 18th century in England, where the main transportation was by boat. So the people that were working in the ports, they were called porters. And those guys, they were just moving the stuff. It was a super physical job, you know. They were moving the stuff uh, on and off the boat. And uh, during they were working, like they were, oh shit, I am so hungry. And those guys, they were not super rich. And they had, not, they had no money to go to the restaurant or whatever. And the beer at the time was super cheap. Not because it was not good, just because it was, you know, cheap. And um, so, yeah, what do, you, what do you do when you work so hard and you want to regain your strength, you want to refuel? Yeah, beer. Of course. <laughs> so that guy here, um, yeah, they were... So the guys, uh, the porters, uh, they were going, they were going a lot in pubs to drink that to between their shift and go back to work. And it was only at the time uh, those beer, the dark beer they were drinking, was only about four or five percent of alcohol. So it was perfect, right? So it was easy to drink, and that's why the brewers called that beer porters because of the guys, because of them. But this one is not a porter, it's a stout. Yeah. And stout stands for strong. That's it. So it started with stout porter for stronger porter in alcohol uh, content. And that's it. They separate stout from porter to differentiate the both. All right. So that, that's, that's a great history. And I didn't really know that even with my background in England that I've never been. Uh, but uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the Bar Leche, this series stuff that you guys have at Labras. Mitch and I, are, uh, we saw it when we went by the tap room. Uh, we picked up some for the show. You are showing us right now. I mean, you, you, you are the, you know, the best girl at Labras, so you know everything when it comes to these beers. What's so specific about this beer? I know that I'm drinking it in the wrong type of mug, but at the same time, it still goes down well. So you're supposed to drink a stout in small snifter like that. That's all they called. I didn't even know the name in English was snifter. So it's it's written on the can. <laughs> so <clears throat> that um, yeah, that's it. So that beer, it's a pastry stout. So what is a pastry stout? It's a dessert. You know, that's why the logo is ice cream. Then stands for dessert. So now pastry stout are like sweet, super heavy, and sometimes uh, we add, not sometimes, but usually we add flavors to the stout. So it's more heavy, creamier, it's heavier, creamier, and sweeter. And uh, to that one, we added uh, lactose, lactose we added cherry cherry puree and almond i could taste the almonds i could definitely taste the almonds i can definitely taste them mitch all right so uh i love eating while i drink beer what should i eat if i'm drinking this beer an ice cream cone yeah there's an ice cream cone on the can you said what ice cream 
<laughs> yeah, you can you can have ice cream. Um, me, uh, I would say like, of course, ice cream. Uh, of course, a sundae. Sunday with cherry on top. It's exactly that, you know. Um, you can have cookies, s'mores, all kind of desserts. Yeah, you think of your favorite desserts, you can drink the beer with it. Um, I would say the Bûche de Noël, Christmas lunch. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, because, I like that. Coming soon, yeah? And also, also um, at the brewery, we did... Uh, we did with the chocolate bono, we did a box of chocolate. I, I hate to say the word chocolate because people make fun of me when I say that word in English. You but can say it in French, it's fine. We're all bilingual here. We made a box of uh, chocolate and uh, we paired our beers with the chocolate. And in the box, we have uh, three chocolate we have, uh, that goes with that beer. And... Oh, you see it? Okay. Um, that goes with the beer. You have whiskey. Um, of course, you have uh, coffee. I have it just here. You have Peru. Peru is the style of chocolate they used to do it. And also mint. Oh, nice. So we can pick up that box of chocolates at La Brasse, uh, 133 La Brasse, and it's all paired. Each chocolate is paired to certain beers, and there are some that are paired with the Bar Leche, uh, Ceres Stout, Ceres and Amans. We are uh, with Captain Leclerc from Labrasse. She is the best girl. Oh, there you go. You're you're already set. You have everything up there, Captain. Before we, let, yeah, before we let you go, I got to ask you because we're going to be transitioning to boxing next. I see boxing posters behind you, Mike Tyson. I knew it. I knew it. Mike Tyson this weekend versus Roy Jones Jr. Who do you got, Mike Tyson versus Jones Jr.? You got to tell us. I'm going to bet on Tyson. Tyson? Not a bad choice. He is the favorite. Uh, Catherine, uh, merci beaucoup. Really appreciate you stopping by the Post Game Pints podcast. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, guys. Thanks. Have a good day. And uh, everybody come see me at La Brasse. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Cheers. Our first guest ever on the Post Game Pints podcast, Mitch. That went smoothly. Good job, Dave. Good job, went, Dave. Uh, Sean, that went just as smoothly as this beer is going down. Oh, I got to get another one. Maybe, maybe before the end of the show. But, Mitch, why don't we jump in a quick conversation? We got a pop quiz coming up. We still got to name that podcast. Uh, tons to get to. But Mike Tyson... Roy Jones Jr., that is coming up this weekend. I know you're excited. Look, I don't have boxing photos behind me. I have baby stuff. You have Muhammad Ali. I mean, let you you take it away. You've, you've boxed before. Uh, what are you looking forward to here? Well, I, I'm Sean, I'm a little torn. Look, I'm actually going to pay for the pay-per-view. I'm really curious to see what happens. Mike Tyson looks like he's in tremendous shape. Roy Jones Jr. looks like he never got out of tremendous shape. Uh, they are two completely different boxers. Roy Jones likes to dance around the ring and use his speed. Doesn't really jab, has a good hook. Tyson's all power. He's going to want to get in close while Jones is going to be trying to keep him away and run around the ring. So st stylistically, the fight makes a lot of sense. 
you know, it, it's making me wish that this fight was 20 years ago and not in 2020. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm, I'm praying that it's not a farce. People have to realize this is an exhibition. They're not going to be trying to knock each other out. There's not going to be anybody that's declared a winner. If anybody Are starts sure? bleeding. There's, there's, there's betting lines on this. There's Someone has to determine a winner. No, well, they're not declaring a, a winner in the ring at the pay-per-view. There's no judges. If there's any oh. blood, the fight is stopped. I'm just oh. hoping we see something fun and competitive. Yeah. I'm really hoping that. Uh, it should be a spectacle. It wouldn't be a spectacle. Uh, like, it wouldn't be a Mike Tyson fight if it wasn't a spectacle. Something has to happen here. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, you know what? I, th- I think what's, what's most important here is even though the two fighters are making some coin off this fight, the majority off the money being made off what apparently is record pay-per-view numbers, most of it's going to charity. Yeah, okay. So I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to. And, and I'm with you because I know that I'm not expecting a knockout and, a, and, and it's an exhibition. I, I kind of want to see one of the two dominate the other. And what I mean is sometimes in the exhibition, it's like, okay, round one will just go. Round two, you'll take control. Round three, I'll take control. And, you know, they'll just kind of play it around like that. And then yeah. everyone's like, hey, good job, everybody. Good to see you, you bunch of old men fighting in this ring. Like, <laughs> that, that's I, I don't want to see that. I want to see, like, for example, Mike Tyson just dominate for three rounds. And then Roy Jones is like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I got punched in the face a bunch of times. No, thank you. Or maybe the other way. Maybe the other way around. Uh, I I just, I, I want to see maybe one person dominate the other. That's what I'm looking for, at least for entertaining, because then I know that the competitive juices have, have, uh, have turned on quite a bit. Yeah, well, I'd be surprised if at some point, like, remember, these are guys who fought at the highest level. At some point, someone's going to get hit. They're not going to like it. And those competitive juices are going to flow. I am pretty sure that's going to happen at some point. All right. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, so I'm, I, I, I can't wait to watch it. All right. You ready for a pop quiz, Mitch? Yeah, buddy. All right. It's time for pop quiz here on the Post Game Pints podcast brought to you by a LaBrosse Brewery. All right. Uh, I like this question. And I, I don't know. I, I, I was thinking you like about it. it. You wrote it. I know. But the thing is, I wrote it. And then afterwards, I'm like, maybe I've asked him this before. <laughs> Either way. All right. I'm going to let you uh, go as far back as old as I am. 40 years. 41. Four, in the last 40 years in the National Hockey League, Mitch, three players that weren't drafted in the first round of the National Hockey League won the scoring title. Only three players in the last 40 years. Who are those three players? Three players in the last 40 years have won the scoring title and they were not drafted in the first round. In the first round. Only three. One of them. Nikita Kucherov. Very good. One of them did it twice. One of them did it twice. Okay. Oh, that's, I don't know how helpful that is. Good job. job. Kucherov, like two years ago, did it. Like, congratulations. (laughs) We don't have to chirp me for getting the right answer, Sean. I know. I'm just saying that was the easy yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the easy one. You, you know, um, I'm, these are all names you know. Like, the, I stayed 40 years. It's not some obscure guy you've never heard of. Like, yeah. Plus, plus, you also know, when I say 40 years, you know, the 80s, it was dominated by two guys. So, and you know where they were drafted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
All right, so now it gets a little bit harder. Uh, Gretzky, no. Lemieux, no. Yager, no. Patrick Kane, no. Ovechkin, no. Crosby, no. Joe Thornton, no. Henrik Sedin, no. Um, who won it in 2004? 2004, 2004, 2004. That's, that's the right year. Because <laughs> I know the goal scoring is a three-way tie with three first-round picks in Col- yeah. uh, Martin St. Louis. You got it. He did it twice. He also did it in 2013. All right. So, All right. Good job. So now you're just missing yeah. one. Good job. Not, That's the harder one. He, he's undrafted, by the way. Yeah, undrafted player. And so far, two Tampa Bay Lightning players. Um, all right. When you get this one, you're going to be like, oh, yeah. I forgot he won the scoring title that year. You did or I did? You, when you get the answer, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that guy. Because you know, you know what round he was drafted into. Yeah, this makes play. sense. This, this player, you definitely know what round he was drafted in. He's one of those that uh, everybody makes an example of, of later round picks. Did, uh, did Henrik Zetterberg ever win a scoring title? No, the other guy that they use as an example of. Satsuk. No. No. <laughs> no, no, not. Wrong team. Just he's, you'll, you'll know that he's a guy that people use all the time, but he was a. Do you want me to tell you the round? Jamie Benn. Yeah, exactly. Jamie Ben. All right. So, uh, by the way, we do the pop quiz at the end of the Post Game Pints podcast. Congratulations, Mitch. Good job. Uh, we do the Post Game Pints podcast quiz. You can go use these on with your friends. That's one of the reasons why we do this, because Mitch and I do this all the time. You could take these quizzes and quiz your friends with it and see how well they do. Uh, so that is one of the ones that we did. That uh, Just a quick follow-up before we name that podcast, Mitch. To, if I was going to do the five players – that weren't a top five pick. There's two guys drafted in the first round that were not a top five pick that won the scoring title. Just two? Just two more. Other than that, I could have done five guys not in the top five. Everybody okay. else was a top five pick all time. Yager, Yager was a seventh overall. No, he was fifth. He was five? Ah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I went. So Crosby's one, Thornton's one, Kane's one, Lemieux's one, Gretzky's number one. Yeah. Uh, Lindros, number one pick. Um, McDavid's one. You know, uh, I gave you the ones. Uh, one is your favorite player. Forsberg. Yeah, Forsberg. Yeah, he won the... 2001. Yeah. And the other one, he went 11th overall. What year? He was traded before he played for the team that drafted him. <laughs> like Forsberg. Silence is killing everybody right now. They're just yeah. yelling at the podcast. Jerome McGinley. Oh, yes. Jerome McGinley. All right. All right. You ready? Title? Yeah, you did. McGinley was, I have it written down here somewhere. Uh, and, and the one way before that in 79, Brian Trache. He was a second round pick. Uh, that was in 79, he won the scoring title. So, all right. Mitch, time to name that podcast. Yep. Take note. I always take uh, adequate notes, I would say. Uh, one I had was Good Job, Dave. Uh, the other one is uh, The Best Girl Visits. 
Yep, and yep. I like I like both of those. All right. We already did a Dave one. Yeah. I, I'm going to go with uh, In the Toilet. In the Toilet. In the Toilet or The Best Girl Visits. Dave, it's on you. That's it for us on Post Game Pints uh, podcast. Cheers, everybody. Well, how's that for your entertainment value? They've done their job very, very well. Awesome! No, 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 no. Come on. VBF.